Thank you for listening to an audio resource from Stanwich Church, located in Greenwich and Stamford, Connecticut. The vision of Stanwich Church is to know Christ and make him known. The Old Testament lesson for today is from Psalm 114, verses 1 through 8. This can be found on page 604 of your Pew Bible or printed in your program. This psalm reminds us of God's mighty power over and presence in this world and his care for us, his people. A reading from Psalm 114, beginning with the first verse. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, Jordan turned back, the mountains skipped like rams, the hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you flee, O Jordan, that you turn back, O mountains, that you skip like rams? O hills like lambs, tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a spring of water. The gospel lesson for today is from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. This can be found on page 1051 of your pew Bible or printed in your program. Jesus Christ is alive today and is accessible to all who seek him. A reading from Luke chapter 24, beginning with the first verse. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. May God add his blessings to the reading of his holy word. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Sometimes the thing we are looking for is not where we expect it, but is closer than we know. Sometimes I'm standing in the kitchen at my house and I have the refrigerator doors wide open and I'm staring into the open refrigerator. Tell me if this happens at your house sometimes too. And I call out to my wife. I say, Nance, 
I can't find the mayo. She usually replies with something like this. Is it right in front of your face? To which I reply, oh yeah, there it is. It's right there. Now that's a really silly example, I realize. But as I talk with people in our world today, as we look out at the landscape of everything going on in our world, I get the sense that people are standing there looking out saying, where is God? I can't find God in all of this. Some people that I talk to, they say, we have abandoned God. Other people that I talk to wonder, has God abandoned us? We're like people standing in front of that refrigerator door. I can't find what I'm looking for. And yet, according to the story of the gospel, the story of the resurrection which we celebrate today, the very thing we are looking for may not be where we expect it, but is closer than we know. If we are searching for God, he may be closer than we know. In fact, in Acts 17, it tells us that God arranged all the comings and goings of people throughout history that some may seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. And then it says this, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. I believe this scripture to be true, and I believe that some of you may be here today because God ordained you to be here, to find what you've been looking for, that God is closer than you know. Why do you seek the living among the dead? This is a phrase that comes from our reading today from the angels, these two men, as it says in the story, who are dressed in dazzling apparel. These are angels standing guard at the open tomb. The women have come to find the body of Jesus, and the angels say, why do you seek the living among the dead? You know, every year I get to preach on the resurrection story, and every year a different aspect, a different detail, a different line jumps off the page as if the Holy Spirit illuminates it to say, preach on this this year. And all we're going to look at in today's sermon is these statements from the angels that they said to these women. I want, through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, I want us to hear these phrases from the angels as if they are being spoken to us. Why do you seek the living among the dead? What might that mean to us if the angels were to say it to us? Well, what it meant for the women, they had come in, it says on the first verse, that on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. Why are these women holding spices in their hands? Well, spices were used to embalm a dead body. They were expecting to find a dead man. And wouldn't you be? They had seen Jesus brutally executed. They had seen him breathe his last. They had seen people take his body, his lifeless body, and place it in the tomb. Of course they were expecting to find a dead man. But what if the angels were saying this to us today? Are you looking for God? Are you looking for what's missing in this world? Are you looking for Jesus? Why look for the living among the dead? In other words, if we are thinking of Jesus as just another dead man, we may not find him. If we are looking for Jesus, like we're looking at all the other dead people in history who've come before us, we may miss him. 
There's a lot of dead people throughout the timeline of history. There's a lot of people in our history books. There's a lot of people with a Wikipedia page. Jesus, too, is in our history books. Jesus has a Wikipedia page. But according to this story, he is singularly different than all of those other dead people in history. Why seek the living among the dead? Consider with me just for a moment one other dead guy. George Washington. George Washington seems pretty important in history, doesn't he? Massively influential in our world, especially in this area. I love to tell people that this congregation, Sandwich Church, was founded in 1731. That's one year before George Washington was born. We mark our history by his birth. Our nation's capital is named after him. He was our first president. There's a giant monument in his name in our nation's capital. Pretty influential dead guy, right? But let me ask you this. How much does his influence compare to the influence of Jesus? How many people are gathered in sanctuaries around the world right now to worship George Washington? None, as far as I know. How many sanctuaries are filled with people to worship Jesus? Countless. There are over 2 billion Christ followers on planet Earth. More human beings will be doing what we're doing right now, worshiping Jesus, than are doing anything else. That's not just true on Christmas and Easter. That's true any given Sunday. More human beings worship Jesus than do anything else. Do you think a lot of people watch an NFL game? Let me tell you about European soccer leagues. Those are have even higher audiences. But compare that to how many people gather in the name of Jesus every Sunday. This man is singularly different than all the other people throughout history. Come with me to a, a remote village somewhere in Nigeria. Or Australia or Brazil. Let's go ask the children there. Hey, children, how much do you know about George Washington? Has he influenced your life? Maybe some of them have heard of him. Now let's ask those same children who here has heard of Jesus? Has he influenced your life? Chances are pretty high that children in some of those remote villages will say, I know Jesus. You see, he is singularly different than all the other people in history. Could it be? Could it be because of what the angels said next? Why seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. The thing that makes Jesus different and so much more influential than everyone else in history is that he didn't stay dead. He rose from his tomb and he is alive today, still influencing people throughout the world. He has risen. Those three words changed history. Now you might be thinking, okay... I'm starting to get it. I'm standing in front of that refrigerator door and I realize it's closer than I know, but where is Jesus, maybe? I understand how to think of someone from the history books or a Wikipedia page, but how do I think of Jesus? Where is Jesus now? If he's alive, where is he now? The Bible tells us where Jesus is. He's here, there, and everywhere. He's here, there, And everywhere, he's here, right here. It says in Ephesians 3, verse 17, and many other places in Scripture, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. He's here. 
I remember when I was a kid praying, praying that prayer. Jesus, I invite you to come and live in my heart. Will you come live in my heart forever? And the awesome promise of Jesus is that he says when he comes and, and dwells in us, he will never leave us or forsake us. Where is he now? He's here. He's also there. What do I mean by that? He's there. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in many places in Scripture, including Romans 8, verse 34. It says this, Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is seated at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. He's here and he's there. What does this mean, that he's seated at the right hand of God? Well, for one, it means there is a throne room of the whole universe. There is an authority above all earthly authorities. There is a king of kings. There's an authority above the Oval Office. There's an authority above the Kremlin. There is a sovereign God reigning over all of human history and seated upon that throne is the risen Christ. What's he doing there? How is he spending his days? I love this phrase from Romans 8. He's interceding for us. That means he's leaning into the ear of God the Father, saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. His prayer of intercession began the day he was dying on the cross when the people who were cruelly nailing him to that cross, Jesus was crying out to the Father even then, forgive them. And here's the good news. If Jesus intercedes for the people who killed him, he's interceding for you and me as well. He's here and he's there. And he's everywhere. Matthew 18, verse 20, Jesus gives us this promise for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Is anybody here? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Did you come here today because of Jesus? You gathered because of Jesus? One, two. Oh, good. We got way more than two or three. (laughs) If this is true, where two or three or more are gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. Jesus is here. I know some of you know that you're sensing it even now. He's closer than you know. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere. How might knowing this, how might believing this change our lives? Knowing that Jesus is not like all the other people in history, he's singularly different, he's alive, and he's here, there, and everywhere. How might living into that actually change our lives? I'll give you an example from my own life. One of my main jobs, obviously, is preaching a sermon. And I ask myself, what if when I preach a sermon, Jesus is actually present in the room with us? What if the Holy Spirit is here? When we open his word, when we are gathered in his name, how would I prepare my sermon knowing that the one who inspired the word would also be here inspiring our hearts to understand it? We have this workshop every Thursday afternoon here in the sanctuary with the pastors and ministry leaders of the church. Whoever's preaching that coming Sunday gets to try out their sermon, the draft of their sermon, and get feedback from the team. And whoever's preaching on any given Thursday, they get a reminder from the rest of the team. We use this phrase with each other. We say, remember, 
on Sunday, there'll be a better preacher in the room. And we're talking about Christ himself. Because we know that Jesus can communicate to people way better than we ever could. I know that some of you, even now, you're having thoughts, convictions of your heart. You're getting new understandings about yourself or about your Savior. You're hearing things that I'm not actually saying. That's him. You see, he's the better preacher in the room. It takes the pressure off, really, for me. I mean, I still do my homework. I still write sermons, obviously. But I know the heavy lifting is going to be done by him. It changes the way I work, believing that he is risen and present. That's my work. How about you? How about your life? Are any of you parents? How might it change the way you parent knowing that your kids have a Savior? That your kids have someone, Jesus, who can be with them wherever they go. Maybe you just need to know that your kids have a Savior, and it's not you. You're not responsible for ultimately for their salvation. Someone else is. That takes the pressure off of parenting. You still got to parent them. But you're really leading them to that present, risen Christ in their lives. Things will go better for them and you if you operate that way. Well, what about the workplace? Some high-intensity jobs around here. How might it actually affect your workplace if... You knew that Jesus, the risen Christ, was here, there, and everywhere. That Jesus is with you, even in your workplace. Well, I have an example from just one week ago. There was somebody in his own workplace, a professional golfer. His workplace was the Masters. His name was Scotty Scheffler, and he actually won the Masters. Here's a guy who believes in the risenness of Christ. Listen to what he said. He was interviewed the day that he won, just last Sunday. He said, the reason why I play golf is I'm trying to glorify God in all that he's done in my life. So for me, my identity isn't a golf score. Like Meredith, that's his wife, like Meredith told me this morning, if you win this golf tournament today, if you lose this golf tournament by 10 points, by 10 shots, if you never win another golf tournament again, she goes, I'm still going to love you. You're still going to be the same person. Jesus loves you. And nothing changes. Now listen to what he says next. Meredith always prays for peace because that's what I want to feel on the golf course is peace and have fun and just feel his presence. Here's a young man who knows that Jesus Christ is singularly different than all the other people in history because he's alive, he's risen, and he's present with him even in the high intense pressure environment of trying to win the master's. If he can know the presence of Christ in that intense environment, we can know it in our workplaces too. Now maybe you're thinking, okay, that sounds awesome when you're winning the Masters. (laughs) Maybe he was feeling good because he just won some millions of dollars. Maybe you're thinking, this pastor preaching here is naive. He doesn't know how hard it is out there. He doesn't know how broken this world is. He doesn't know all the terrible things going on in the world or in my world. Well, we haven't heard the whole Statement from the angels. They're not done talking yet. They address this very thing. They address that God had a plan to deal with all the brokenness, all the terrible things that go on in our world. Why look for the living? Why seek the living among the dead? They say, He's not here but has risen. And then they say this 
Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. The angels say, remember, remember. He actually spelled this out for us. There is a plan. Jesus told us what the plan is, that he would be handed over into the hands of sinful men. Consider this with me for just a moment. Jesus Christ, we learned just a couple of minutes ago, his rightful place in the universe is seated upon the throne, in the throne room of the whole universe, seated at the right hand of the Father. And yet he came down from his throne onto our dusty, sin-stained world. And he taught us how to live, and he looked around at all the things that are broken, all the things that are messed up, all the things that are not the way they're supposed to be, all the ways we rebel against God and hurt each other. And he said, I will take all of that upon myself. He was handed over into the hands of sinful men, which is to say, all of us. And a perfect, righteous Savior, who didn't deserve it, was killed, was punished in our place. He was taking the consequences of all of our sin upon himself. They were all absorbed into his body on the cross, and it crushed him even unto death. And then he went down to the tomb and he took the consequences of our sins to where they belong, to the pit of hell. And then he walked out of that tomb, leaving the consequences of our sin where they belong. And he walked out in what Romans chapter 6 calls newness of life. And if we believe that it was our sins that he was dying for, then we believe that there's a part of us that died with him on the cross. And if that's true, then the part of him lives in us because he walked out of the tomb in that newness of life. We have died with him and we are risen with him. Now, why did he do that for us? Because he loves us. I think when some people stand in front of that refrigerator door, when they look out at the world and they say, where is God? I don't see God anymore. I think what we're really crying out is we're really saying, where is the love? Where is the love gone in our world? Sometimes I look out at all the things that are being said and I think, everyone's lost their minds. But then I realize it's way worse than that. We've lost our hearts. But behold, our crucified and risen Savior who left his throne in heaven. Why? Because he was motivated by his love for us. And he came into this world and he died in our place. Why? Because he loves us. And now he has ascended and seated back at the right hand of the Father and he's interceding for us. Why? Because he loves us. You're wondering where the love has gone? It's closer than we know. God is right here. And Jesus loves us, and he's proven that through his death and through his resurrection. These women heard all this from the angels. And in verse 8 it says, And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. They remembered his words. You know, I love doing communion here at Stanwich Church. There's one woman who comes through. Every time she takes the bread and dips it in the cup, she says, I remember. I remember. They remembered his words. And then they go and they tell the 11. That's the 11 male disciples. I love how the women are given the good news first. And they tell the men and then the men tell the world. 
Anybody who says women can't preach the gospel, Jesus thought it was okay because the women told all the men and then it spread. They were the first gospel bringers, okay? The first real preachers. I had to slip that in there. I get a little defensive on that one. But they started telling everyone they knew and they believed and they started telling everyone they knew and they believed and they started telling everyone they knew and they believed and now we're over 2 billion people who have heard the news and I'm telling you today and our job is to go and leave this place and tell people the good news. That if you're searching for something, if you still haven't found what you're looking for, you're standing in front of that refrigerator door, you're looking out at the world and you're either saying, where is God? Or you're saying, where is the love? We have the good news to share. We say he's closer than you know. He's not dead. He's alive. He's risen and he's present. He's here. He's there. And he's everywhere. Now before I wrap up, I just don't want to miss an opportunity here. Because I know that on Christmas and Easter, folks who come who don't normally do this. You don't normally hear messages like this. So I just want, want to make sure you don't miss this. If it's true that he's risen and that he's here and he's there and he's everywhere, I just want to walk us through this. Maybe you weren't like me and you didn't have an experience when you were a kid where you invited him to come and live in your heart. You can do that today. doesn't matter how old you are. You just say, Jesus, there's something missing in my life and I think it's you. I invite you to come and live in my heart. Maybe some others of you need to know that he's not just here, but he's also there. He's in the throne room of heaven. Maybe you need to be reminded that there is an authority above all authorities, that there's a king of kings. And there's a king of your life. And maybe today he's calling you to to bow your knee to him and say, "I, I devote my life to you once again, my king. You can do that today as well. Whatever else has been the authority in your life gets toppled off the throne of your heart. And Jesus emerges. And maybe you just need to be reminded that where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is in our midst. I love coming to church because we gather in his name and he's right here among us. Over the last couple of years, a lot of us have gotten out of the habit of doing that. We've gotten out of the habit of coming to church together. And being gathered in his name and experiencing his presence in community. So yeah, I'm calling you back to church. Gather in his name. That's not a guilt trip, by the way. Some of you think, oh man, he's giving me the guilt trip. No, no, no. That's an invitation. It's good for you and for society for us to do what we're doing here. Where two or three are gathered in his name. You're looking out at that refrigerator door. You're looking out at the world. Where is God? Where is the love? And yet, you're not going to church. He's closer than you know. Why seek the living among the dead? He's not here. Now help me finish the sentence. He is risen. risen Good job. He is risen. He is risen. To learn more about the mission and vision of Stanwich Church and how you can get involved, please visit stanwichchurch.org.